Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. Shake the good spirit of God. What a privilege it is to be in His house. Um, with uh, with the spirit that was here this or that is here this morning, it's. Uh, It'll either give you comfort and rest, or it'll make you uncomfortable. And uh, that's a good thing. If you're uncomfortable around the Spirit of God, it's an indication that your heart's not right with God. And so uh, we'll encourage you to get right with Him this morning. Uh, Just a simple message. I want to share with you what God's given to me, what He's laid on my heart. Um, It's urgent and and serious in nature for certain. Luke chapter number 23, going to beginning at, uh, begin reading at verse number 39. Luke 23, verse number 39 is where we'll begin. And one of the male factors which were hanged railed on him, saying, if thou be the be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Father, we ask for your blessing upon the word. We pray our hearts receive it. And that every heart be moved by it. We realize that there'll be some that have to choose. We pray the Spirit of God has made it so clear in their hearts that they know exactly what to do. We're trusting you for this. It is our comfort. It is our peace. It is our joy. And we're grateful today to call you Lord. We're so grateful for your presence. We're asking now that you would move among us, that Christ be exalted and magnified from the book. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The picture this morning is of Calvary, Golgotha's Hill. The Bible says you can read it just before there or throughout the other three Gospels, the account of the Passion of Christ, crucifixion of Christ. And the Bible said there just before that when Jesus was led to Golgotha carrying that cross that there were two that went with him. The Bible tells us that they were thieves. They were guilty men, both of them having received a sentence of death for their crimes. They followed Jesus to Calvary. 
You'll find a picture there at Calvary of mankind. Uh, There's a picture in the center standing, I believe, greater than all of the Redeemer, the sinless one hanging between the other two. And on one side, you'll find a man that received Christ in his dying hours. And on the other side, a man that rejected him in the same. Same opportunity. One on the right, one on the left. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us which exactly was which. We don't know whether the man that received Christ was on the left or he was on the right. I've always thought in my mind he was on the right, but he don't say that. You know why I don't say that? Because I don't believe it's any indication of which side, whether you're left or right. You need Jesus. If you die without Jesus, you're going to end up in hell. There's a picture at Calvary. We have one man that found him and the other that missed him. And that, my friend, is the only picture there is of mankind today. There are those that will come to know Christ as their Savior, and then there's the rest that will ultimately reject him as Lord and miss heaven altogether. Calvary is the picture, and Jesus is in the middle of it. He's in the middle of all sinners. You see, both these men were guilty. Just like you and I today, everybody in here is guilty. There's not one good, no, not one. Not any of us that can claim a goodness that would merit from God a favor that would allow us into his heaven. Not one. But we're all guilty sinners. We're all the thieves and murderers. We're all those that uh, did not seek God nor were after God. And yet we find a picture at Calvary of the Redeemer standing in the middle of mankind and in the middle of sin, bearing sins that he had not committed. He bore our sins at Calvary, becoming the Redeemer of all the world. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What a picture. What a picture going to ask you this morning which thief you are. Um, I could call us something better than thieves, but maybe I'll just refer to it as the Bible said, the male factors. Which one are you? Are you the one that received Christ or are you the one that's rejected him so far? I want to focus this morning not on the one that received Christ. We've certainly preached a lot and You've probably heard a lot about the man that received him at, on there, and certainly in the message this morning, he does most of the talking. But I want you to see what he's talking about. Because the man on the other side, he missed him. And there's people in this world all around. If there's none sitting with us this morning, you know them. You know plenty of them who, for whatever reason, have turned their face from Christ. Here's what he said. The man on the one side that had rejected Christ, the man who had hung there as long as the other two had, the man that had heard everything that the other one had heard, had this to say in verse number 39, this is what we know about the cross of rejection. Number one, They don't believe in Christ. 
He said, if thou be the Son of God, save yourself and us. The problem starts with that little word, if. If if is a part of your vocabulary when it becomes to receiving Christ, you likely didn't receive him. Because doubt is not what it takes to be saved. It's faith. The difference between the man on the one side that received Christ and the man on the other is that one come to realize that the man in the middle was sinless. The man in the middle was the son of God. The man in the middle was the Christ. And as he heard this man cry out, he said, if you're the Christ, if you be Christ, if you're the one that they say you are, save yourself and save us. May I say to you today, it's a question of whether or not you'll believe he is the Christ, not if he is. A key characteristic of the cross of rejection is questioning whether he really is the Christ. Well, we wasn't there. We didn't meet him. We didn't see him raise the dead, and we didn't see him cause the blind to see again or the, the, those that couldn't walk to walk or the deaf to hear. We wasn't there when that took place. And yet what we find is that faith is not about seeing something. Faith is about hearing, and it is about believing in your own heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. If you want to go to heaven today, it ain't based off doubt. It's based off of faith and believing that Jesus Christ did die on the cross and that he did raise again from the dead. The cross of rejection starts with unbelief. If thou be the Son of God, it starts with unbelief. We have now response in verse number 40 from the man on the other side. Jesus had no need to defend himself at this point. Everything that he was to say had been said. And he said nothing here except the man on the other side. (laughs) Somehow or another, I believe even they were facing one another and Christ in the middle or he was able to look over at the other, but he had something to say to him. And we find that the next thing that marks the cross of rejection is that one doesn't fear God. The man said, do you not fear God? Now, I'm believing that both, all three of these were Jewish men, two of them criminals, and one of them the sinless son of God. But the one looked at the other and he said, do you not believe in Yahweh? Do you not believe in Jehovah? Do you not believe in God, man? What's wrong with you? Now, you got to ask yourself the question, what happened to this one man that suddenly is believing on Christ? And I had to ask myself that question, but they certainly would have known the scripture as good Jewish uh, children being raised in a Jewish community. You couldn't but not know that the Messiah was coming. They just couldn't know it was him, not yet. And yet we find here that this man looks over uh, to the other man, likely knew the man, likely knew where he had gone to synagogue as a child, likely knew his parents, likely knew where he's from, and he said, hey, do you not fear God anymore? And I wonder today if we don't live in a, in a country where there is an absence of the fearing of God. 
And you say, well, God, isn't about fear. May I say to you today, the very reason I got saved is because I was afraid of dying without Christ. It was the realization that if I died in my sin, that I would go to hell. Believing that truth is what brought me to Christ. It's what brought me to that place where I was able, broken, to surrender unto God and ask him to save me. And he did. Dost thou not fear God? Let me ask you the question this morning. Do you fear God or not? Now you can nod and acquiesce and and simply say, oh yeah, I fear God. But the truth, friend, ain't in your nod. It's in your life. That's where we prove whether or not we fear God. The Bible said if we fear God, we'd keep his commandments. The same as if we loved him. Do we fear God? We live in a world that doesn't fear God anymore. There may have been a time within the history of the church, at least in the last two centuries, where men and women did fear God, whether they was lost or saved. People reverenced the house of God. They reverenced the place of, they reverenced that they, they, they respected at least the people of God. Not anymore. That's gone. That is gone. There, there are very few of those people left if they're lost. Most people don't fear God. And the, sinner, and the one sinner said to the other, do you not fear God? He just heard him say, if thou be the Christ, save yourself and save us. He spoke with that selfish attitude that the cross of rejection will always bear. It's always about me. It's always about self. It's always about what you can do for me and what I deserve from you. May I say to you today, there ain't anybody deserved to go to heaven. Every one of us deserve the penalty that we'll receive if you die without God, but he is offering unto you redemption if you'll believe him. The cross of rejection, number one, is marked by unbelief, but number two, no fear for God. And oh, what a dangerous place for a person to be. Our school systems teach them there is no God, so why would you fear something that does not exist? Right? That was the agenda all around. Right? The reason they won't teach creation is because we have to teach if you teach creation there has to be a creator and if there's a creator then there's a responsibility to to that creator there's a reverence due that creator but as long as there's no creator there's no need for fearing god and so we've taken that out of everything and no one does thou not fear god i'm asking you the question this morning because if you're sitting here and you're lost you don't have to be lost Jesus Christ came to save you just as well as me. I didn't do anything that deserved it. You ain't doing anything that'll deserve it. And listen, you can't do anything to undeserve it. Being born again is by grace. It's unmerited favor that is extended towards you and I as sinners. Dost thou not fear God? Not only did he not fear God, but he didn't fear condemnation. He said, dost thou not fear God, seeing that we are in the same condemnation? Not only does the cross of rejection not fear God, but it doesn't fear judgment. If there's no God, then there's no accountability. If there's no accountability, you live like you want to live until you die, and that's all there is to it. 
If there's no one ultimately, if there's nothing beyond the end, if life really as we live it is all that matters, may I say to you today, then nothing matters. But if there's something beyond death, if there's something beyond this world, if there really is a heaven, if there really is a hell, and I'm saying if, I really believe there is, but if you're saying if, may I say to you today, the only way you're going to get to heaven is through Christ. And there will be a judgment. Do you not fear God? Do you not fear condemnation? Do you not fear standing before the almighty God one day, the creator of every living thing? Do you not fear standing before him one day and having to give an account of what you did with the man on the middle cross? What you did with the man in the middle of the cross of Jesus Christ. What did you do with Christ? Did you receive him or did you reject him? The cross of rejection fears no condemnation. They don't fear judgment. You say, oh, surely they fear judgment in some form. If they did, they wouldn't live like they do. We don't fear judgment as sinners. We don't fear God we live like we want to live. We do what we want to do. We, we, we say what we want to say. All of these other things, friend, people do what they want to do because they do not fear God, nor do they fear judgment. Dost thou not fear God? Dost thou not fear the condemnation that is coming? Another thing that marks the, marks the cross of rejection Look what he said, and he said, we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. Now, this is the man on the one side. I'm I'm just saying it's this side. The, The man that had received Christ or had believed on him on the cross, he said, he said, we're getting what we deserve. You know what the cross of rejection says? I don't deserve hell. The cross of rejection says, I'm not a sinner. I'm as good as the next man, which is true. Because you ain't good and he ain't good either. There's none good, no, not one. The cross of rejection is marked by those who say, I am not a sinner. I'm as good as everybody else. I'm as good as the next man. I'm as good as my neighbor. I'm as good as someone. They're always marking their self by standard, which is way down here. I'm as good as the next guy. May I say to you today, the cross of rejection has always been marked by those who are unwilling to say, I'm the sinner. I'm the guilty one. And yet we find the man on the other cross was saying, listen, pal, he said, we're getting what we deserve. He was willing to say, I was a sinner. I am guilty. I deserve to die right here. And the other man spoke not a word. He said, we receive the due reward of our deeds. I am a sinner. The cross of reception said, I am a sinner. Before you ever get saved, you'll have to admit you're the sinner. You'll have to admit that you're the sinner. The cross of rejection is unwilling to say, it's me, I'm the problem. It's me, it's not my neighbor, it's me. The cross of rejection is marked 
by an unwillingness to admit that I am the one wrong. But not only that, it's marked by an unwillingness to say he is right. Christ is right. The man looked at him and he said, we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. He said, but this man He has done nothing amiss. This man is sinless. The cross of rejection rejects. It rejects that you're a sinner, that they're a sinner, but it also rejects that he was the sinless lamb of God that had been sent to to produce, friend, a pardon for the world's sin. It was on him. Not only is the cross rejection marked, by an unwillingness to admit they're a sinner, but they're unwilling to admit that Christ was the sinless. And yet we hear it from this man. Lastly, the cross of rejection has no asking for salvation. Romans 10 and 13, we've got it right here on this altar. It says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible said that that the thief on that cross of reception, that thief, he looked at Christ and he said, Lord, he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I'll tell you what you won't find on the cross of rejection and that's somebody asking Christ to be their savior. You want to know what marks those that go to hell? It's all right there. They don't believe that he's Christ. They don't fear God. They don't fear judgment. Amen. They don't think they're a sinner. They don't think he's the sinless and they never asked him. They never ask for Christ to come into their own heart. The cross of rejection is the same for everybody, right? There's not one of those things that is exempt from those who die lost without Christ and and go right off into the pit of hell. There are none that are different than this. All of us are sinners without Christ. I'm going to ask him to come get us home. But I want to close with this thought. The cross of rejection is clear. This man never asked for Christ, but he could have. Right, He was in the same condemnation as the other man. He was in the same set of experiences, the same environment. There was nothing different between the two, but one got saved and the other remained lost. One got to go to heaven and the other ended up in hell. And that's still how it is today. Let me be clear. If you never ask Christ to save you, you'll never be saved. You'll never be born again. He don't save you apart from your will. He doesn't save you without you knowing it. He doesn't save you without you wanting it. So you got to ask the question, how in the world did this one guy come to saving faith in Christ and the other guy completely miss it? The Bible said that faith comes by Hearing. Well, what did he hear? So I went back through the Gospels and I read 
of all that these two men likely would have heard. I'm going I'm to excuse the whole thing with Pilate and Herod and all that because I'm going to assume they weren't there to hear what Jesus said and what he did. I'm also going to excuse the fact that they scourged Jesus at a whipping post. I'm going to assume that they weren't there for that event, but they were probably locked up in a jail awaiting their sentence. So I'm just going to say for the sake of those that are here, that all them two got to hear was what little was said between Pilate's hall and the nails they drove in his hands and his feet. But what he would have heard as Jesus was dragging that cross and they were behind him with theirs, what that one fella heard was them women crying and they heard Jesus say, daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me. He said, weep for yourself. They would have heard, or not heard, as he willingly laid himself down on that cross and stretched out his arms. That old boy didn't hear him say a thing. He didn't hear him, he didn't hear him say, this ain't right. He didn't hear, no, he watched him as he laid his hands out there, laid his feet, had let them drive the nail. He didn't hear a thing. And I'm thinking, this old boy's thinking, what's wrong with this guy? And the Bible said in the book of Matthew, chapter 27, there was a point at Calvary, they both railed on him. There was a point he was unchanged. There was a point he was unconvinced that this was the Christ. But he kept on hearing. And the Bible said when they, when they hung him up between the heaven and the earth, he heard something come out of his mouth. He said, Father. Now he's as close as anybody. If anybody got to hear this, he got to hear it. He heard him say, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. You reckon that pierced him out, friend? I reckon he started thinking. He said, I thirst. They brought to him vinegar and he refused it. He's still listening. And he said, my God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? That's all he got to hear. And then that other old boy started running his mouth. If you be the Christ, save yourself and us. By that time, something happened to this old fellow on the other cross. Something happened to him. You say, what happened? He believed. Somehow or another, in his desperate condition... Well, sounds like me. In his desperate condition, he just believed that that man on the middle was the Christ. You say, that wasn't that, 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 wasn't that hard. He, it ain't that much to getting saved. It's just believing that what the man did in, on the middle cross 
was what it took to save you. And that he did it for you. He did it for you. Somehow or another, this old boy came to saving faith. While nailed to a cross in excruciating pain, he come to know that this man in the middle was the Christ. When that other old boy said, if, if you're the Christ, he couldn't take it no more. He said, hey, do you not fear God? Why did he say that? Because he knew this was his son. Do you not fear condemnation? Why did he say that? Because he knew this was the judge. This was the judge. Did you know he judged? He's going to be the judge. Do you not know, friend? And that's all I am. I'm one thief on the other cross. I just happen to have believed in Christ. And I'm looking over at you to another thief. And I'm saying, do you not know that we deserve this? But this man, no, this man has done nothing wrong. He's the sinless one. And then he did what the other one couldn't do. He called him Lord. He said, remember me. That's all I can ask you. I ain't asking to go to heaven. Anybody felt like you ever deserved heaven? Lord, just remember me. Just remember me. That's all he could ask. And Jesus spoke again. Can you see him? Jesus cast his eyes over, looked right in the eye. He said, today, you get to be with me in paradise. That other old boy was, He probably wasn't 15 foot, 10 foot from the other one. He went to hell. One got saved, one did not. Cross of reception, a cross of rejection. Which one are you on? I am just a thief, a sinner. I've never been anything more than a sinner. But then I said, Lord, I believe you're the Christ. Remember me. See, you can have that today. Cross of rejection, it's the same. It's marked by all six of those things that was spoke at Calvary. And everybody that dies without Christ is guilty of them all. Guilty of them all. But you don't have to die without Christ. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He can save you today if you'll believe Him, if you'll ask Him. He'll save you today. As we stand and sing, if you're here and need the Lord, would you pray? Would you come? Would you call on Him this morning?